Blog Talk Radio. Which they won 2 1 over Philadelphia Union. Sorry about that, Ryan. I'm not trying to rub that in. 
Uh, it was the first time the Columbus crew have won their first two games of the season. Uh, so obviously a terrific start to the year on the field. Of course, off the field, the big news is still the Time Warner Cable Sports Channel television deal, uh, which was brought up in the interview, uh, in the press conference, with uh, the announcement of McCullers' resignation. And, uh, you know, Mr. Precourt said that everybody in the crew is aware of that. Uh, he hinted that, uh, you know, some changes would be made uh, or be looking uh, be looked at. Uh, in fact, it was the first thing that Precourt was asked about in the press conference, and uh, but he did say we'll have more on the subject at a later date. That's his quote. But he did say he is personally getting involved in this, and again, Mr. Prepo is going to be the president while this search for the new president goes on. Uh, McCullers was also the general manager of the club, but that those duties are more going to be handled in uh, uh, in terms of uh, the technical aspects and the on-field aspects by Greg Berhalter, who's also the sporting director for the club as well. So uh, this uh, the president's job will just be as president of the club and be more focused on the business side of things, and Greg Berhalter is pretty much going to have full control over the uh, on-field aspects of the team. So that's the, uh, the big news here. Uh, the new president will report directly to uh, Anthony Precourt as well. So that will be the big that's Columbus uh, crew been pretty uh, in the news quite a bit, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the, the main thing uh, a lot of crew people are going to be seeing. Okay, is this going to bring about any sort of changes to the television deal? We'd love to get uh, Mr. Preport on here. You can always also uh, Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch covers the crew for them. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's always pretty up to date with his uh, tweets and news regarding the Columbus crew. Uh, today, of course, uh, over in the uh, Premier League, big news, the Manchester Derby, and there wasn't much of a Derby, 3-0 to City over United, Eden Dzeko getting two goals, and uh, once again, Manchester United looking very much in disarray uh, in defense, something that's been a problem all year, and again, at home as well. Manchester United's home record is equal to that of Norwich City. As we talked about, they scored as many goals at home as Fulham have at Craven Cottage. This has been, uh, if the home record was anything close to what the, the away record is, Manchester United would certainly be in a position to contend for the top four, but the Old Trafford is just not the fortress it once was. And uh, this drops, and this puts United in seventh place. They're now 12 points out of that fourth spot currently held by Arsenal. Uh, the fourth uh, Champions League, the fourth and final Champions League spot. It's not an automatic qualifier, of course, but and they're they're now five points behind Spurs for that sixth spot. So European football uh, is becoming a uh, the lack of European football next year is becoming more and more possibility. Certainly, I don't think that Manchester United can get to that fourth spot and get the Champions League again. The only way Man U are getting the Champions League next year, they're going to have to win it this year. And to get there, they're going to have to overcome the holders of the quarterfinal, uh, which would be Bayern Munich. I'm sure we'll get into that more uh, as this show and other shows go on. But uh, in the meantime, if I can press the right buttons, that is uh, Matt Hoffman. I believe that's you out there right now. Hey, how's it going, Keith? Good. I got that one right for a change. <laughs> We're just All talking right. about the uh, 
just talking about the uh, Columbus crew, and uh, I don't know if you've heard about what happened this week. About the, uh, the um, Meg Ryan? Uh, no, we'll get to that in a second. You know, Mark McCullers, oh, the, uh, team, uh, the president, general manager, has resigned. I don't know if you heard about oh, that, what your oh, thoughts might be yeah, on that. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the word he was, said resign was the word that was used, but uh, I'm not sure it was 100% his decision. That's my personal right. opinion, nothing more. Uh, right. But I want to spend more time with the family. Things, yeah. One of the things I thought, I, I said, yeah, this the, the approach seems to, the way Mr. Precourt worded it, he, he used Greg Burhalter, is he felt better to make the decision now than later. Because 2015 he's seen as the real big year for the crew with a possible uh, new badge and some other things going on. So he made it clear he wants this person to be ready to go in place when the 2015 uh, planning gets started. And I think the other thing he, that's interesting with this is the new president will just be handling business operations. All the on-field and technical operation of the team is going to be handled by uh, Greg Berhalter, who's the coach, as well as the uh, sporting director for the team. Okay. And so that's uh, that's that's a bit of a change as well, because if you recall, when Brian Bliss was technical director, he still had to report to Mark McCullough, who was still the general manager. So now that's, uh, that, that uh, has been changed, so that the president will be reporting directly to Mr. Precourt, as will... Uh, Greg Berhalter, and again, I also talk about the, with the TV deal. That's something that's going to have to be uh, addressed as well. So, and speaking, we talked about uh, rebranding and stuff. We know you uh, you being out on the West Coast there. Uh, you know, the word is Chivas USA with the league taking over. You know, rebranding is going to happen with that club. Uh, has there been anything new on that front other than the stuff we saw uh, leaked out, uh, one, whether it be official or otherwise? regarding uh, Chivas USA's future? Not a whole lot. The only recent development is that we learned that, um, so before uh, Jorge Vergara got bought out by MLS, we learned that a company called um, Guadalajara Industries or something Guadalajara in it purchased a trademark for for the name like uh, Los Angeles City Football Club, Los Angeles uh, Soccer Club. Uh, and what we, uh, what Alicia Rodriguez of um, the Goat Parade reported is that um, Major League Soccer now owns those trademarks. That's okay, really been that's, about it. Yeah, because I remember seeing those leaks right after the uh, the announcement was made that uh, Major League Soccer was taking over. So it's it's something we've seen. It's something we've seen Major League Soccer do before. We recall last year the big controversy over the trademarking of the Cascadia Cup name and yeah. how uh, you know MLS South went and applied for those trademarks as well. Uh, right. Going back to the crew, I thought there was a rather interesting uh, article in the dispatch today uh, regarding Urban Meyer, the Ohio State uh, football coach. He was being interviewed by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They were doing a little profile of him. Because, and I didn't know this, he actually played in the Atlanta Braves minor league system for a couple of years. Oh, uh, I did not know uh, that. Yeah, he was your class, he, terrific, uh, he was an infielder, good fielder, but uh, in the immortal words of Crash Davis, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. So that didn't last long. <laughs> but he was there with guys like Mark Lemke and some of the, a lot of those other players who were that core, that 1990s uh, 
run were there. But he was being interviewed about recruiting, uh, especially specifically in Georgia, because he's been targeting some guys in Georgia down there. And he said something that ruffled a few feathers here. Uh, he was asked, why should, why should kids in Georgia consider going to Ohio State? And one of the things he said was that uh, you know, Ohio State is, quote, in a large city that really has no professional sports team, unquote. Ooh. Uh, yeah, naturally, uh, he, had to do a little, he had to do some backpedaling like one of his quarterbacks and pass coverage on that one. And I found it interesting when I read the, um, the, the statement he put out. It was in writing. He did I verbally say it to my knowledge, but it, was, it looked to me like the SID had written it. It really did, but it got me to thinking how about something that happened uh, early last last fall during uh, waiting for Urban Meyer to show up for a post practice press conference. All of the Central Ohio media people were there, and uh, Bob Hunter, who is the lead columnist for the Columbus Dispatch, overheard a conversation involving the crew as well as the U.S. national team. And he wrote a column about how you know, things have changed regarding the perception of soccer in this country, especially among the media with these newer guys. Because Bob, you know, you know, Bob Hunter, he's, very, he's, you know, he's old school. He's older than I am as far as I know. He's very into the old school uh, of the media. And you know, obviously the, the younger media, while it, you know, it's obviously the demographic of the media is changing, but still... It just goes, it, to me, it kind of points up how, how things are, at least in this town, with regards to soccer. You know, I've pointed this out to a number of people, and people who don't live here just don't understand this. But mm-hmm. the simple fact is that the crew will always be, at best, fighting for that number six spot in the Columbus sports hierarchy. Numbers one through five, of course, being Ohio State football. And... It's, Number it's, 60, it's uh, so what about the Blue Jackets? Blue Jackets are in that fight for sixth place, too. Oh, okay. Blue, the Blue Jackets, the crew, the Ohio State men's basketball team, and the Columbus Clippers, they're all fighting for number six on the list. And it'll, it'll, all, it'll rotate, it'll change depending on how fortunes go. But, but that's the reality of it all. And yeah. You, it, it's, yeah, the, the culture of the media is changing, but... The culture of the fan base isn't. There was, uh, about, not quite a year ago, Mike Coleman, the mayor of Columbus, wrote a letter to David Stern, then the NBA commissioner, saying, you know, Columbus would be very interested in getting an NBA team. And what, Michael Arace, who's also a dispatch columnist, wrote, wrote a column about it. And he, one of the things he mentioned, he talked about how Columbus has been changing over the last 20 years in terms of the demographic with people coming in, you know, to move here or they go to school here, and you've got people coming in from places that have professional sports out, they have more of a taste for professional sports. Well, the problem is you get absorbed into this culture and you see what goes on with Ohio State football 24-7, 365, it becomes kind of a, you know, well, you win in Rome, and, and, and people get caught up in this. They do, and again, people who live here really don't see, you can't understand how oppressive it is here with Ohio State football. Until you live here, I remember reading about a sports radio talk show host who was work who worked here for a while. Then moved to Pittsburgh, and he talked about how Pittsburgh was so refreshing that he always had a variety of topics to talk about. 
as opposed to Ohio State football 24-7-365. And one of the guys here in Columbus who said, who's on, on the, the primary uh, uh, sports, uh, the, the fan, 97.1 FM, WBNS, he said he, he's been, he was a hockey fan long before the Blue Jackets arrived. He'd been some places with a hockey team. And he said that he loved to talk more about the Blue Jackets and, and the crew as well. He mentioned the crew. But the simple fact is, he did instead of doing it, the boss would be pounding on his door saying, hey, that's not what drives our bus. You know, it, right. Because you know, people, people talk, you know, they talk about the NCAA and all the changes that, are, that have happened and are still coming in uh, regards to the NCAA, whether it be in regards to student-athletes, TV, conferences, whatever. It's the same thing. Football still drives the bus. And football still right. drives the media bus, too. And, in fact, there was a, a story today about Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks owner. He, and he talked about how you know, the NFL, with their bloated TV contracts and the TV rates going higher and higher and higher, he said pretty soon that bubble's going to burst. I, you know, he used the words piggy and hoggy in, in this. I didn't, I didn't see anything other than I saw a brief, I got a brief look at the article. But he, you know, he foresees the NFL started a serious decline in about 10 years, and I just don't see that happening. I really don't. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I, I mean, you're, it's, there's been a little bit of a dropping off uh, in terms of attendance to this that the NFL is addressing with stuff like uh, increased uh, you know, Wi-Fi access in the stadium and things of that nature uh, because the TV home experience becomes so much different. But you know, there's... You know, football is just so dominant in the sports culture in this country. It would take, and because people talk about you know the concussion issue too, and yes, it's an issue for the NFL. And there are those who they feel they haven't done. They certainly didn't do as much in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and '90s that they should have done, and they're more aware of it now. But I think, in spite of some of the tragic stories we've seen, whether it be you know a Junior Seau or David Duerson committing suicide, or people like yeah. Jim McMahon fighting dementia, you're going to have to see a lot more of that. And I need a lot more of that before you start seeing serious numbers of people saying, well, that's, hey, that's I don't want my kids soccer too. football. You know, like, well, Taylor yeah, Coleman yeah, yeah. and, you know, Jimmy Conrad, they can't go to movies. I mean, oh, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and there's I, research coming out talking about heading on the ball, maybe possibly leading to concussions. Yeah. So it's and not specifically an issue. And I understand. Taylor Twelman and Jimmy Conrad do a terrific job trying to raise, raise awareness of the issue. And yes, it is an issue, but there's a slight difference. Yeah, concussions are one thing, but what you don't have in soccer is that every 30 to 45 seconds cracking your head against another guy's head. People go head balls every 30 to 45 seconds. You know, there's, there's, I, would, I don't know what the studies show, but you know, yeah, the concussions are one thing. But what is the effect of that, not just in games, but in practice, that every, less than every minute you're hitting your head against another guy? Over and over and over and over again, 60, 70 times a game. What is the effect of that? That's not a problem soccer has to face. Yes, it's an issue because you obviously have people clashing heads because you don't have very few players where you kind of have protection. And, yes, heading the ball poses problems, too, although the balls of today certainly aren't what they were even 20 years ago with the new lighter synthetic letters, letters they have. But uh, yeah, it's something soccer has to deal with. But it, to me, at least, it's not the same as what you're dealing with in football. And, and I, don't, I don't think you're going to see 
large numbers of parents saying they don't want their kids playing football. You've seen few. There's been some numbers showing a little bit of a decline in participation, but I don't see that drastically changing without a lot. And I need dozens, if not hundreds, of stories of players, whether it be a battling dementia or, or committing suicide. Fair enough point. Fair enough point. So the situation in Columbus is that the uh, the, the pre- is it the president who stepped down. Yeah, it was uh, Jamar McCall the play. He was the president and general manager, uh, okay. but his replace his replacement will only be president. The general manager duty basically everything as far as the players on the field is going to be passed to Greg Berhalter at this point. He was when he was named coach. He was also named sporting director. So okay, that and, and to me, because again, well, Brian Brian Bliss was the technical director, but he still had. Mark McCullers as general manager, so he obviously saw it to say so in terms of the player personnel. Uh, Brian Bliss was more involved in terms of you know finding you know scouting players and things of that nature are concerned. So I think the the fact now that I, you know retrospectively looking back, the fact that Greg Berlton was a sporting director maybe should have been a clue. Although there had been talk for quite a while last year that McCullers mm-hmm. was on his way out. Certainly, a lot of the fan base was advocating that. I mean, you know, Sack McCullers certainly didn't trend on Twitter like Sack Barziha did by any stretch. But you go into social media, there was no shortage of tweets or posts on Facebook saying McCullers needs to go too. Um, mm-hmm. See, so yeah, it's just obviously, you know, Mr. Precourt is making, you know, he wants to change, he's obviously making a good, serious changes to the, the, the club structure and the hierarchy are concerned. And I think it shows he, you know, he's pretty deadly serious about making this work and making this go. Because I know when the uh, when the Time Warner Cable Sports Channel deal was first announced and people were up in arms, there were people, there were fans speculating that, hey, is this step one on the way out of town? I don't think it is. I did, now, whether or not a resolution, a suitable resolution can be come with, up with, I'm not sure. I mean, you're, you're dealing with contracts here that have been signed. And... This was a deal that was put in place right before the season started. And, you know, mm-hmm. as I talked about before, we talked about the primary reason for this, and it makes sense, was the fact that at Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, they are the number one sports priority. That's it. You know, right, as of right now, they are it as far as high-level sports are concerned. You don't have that. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that with Fox Sports Ohio. Fox Sports Ohio, they were fourth with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers all ahead of them. Because what we also saw this past week was an announcement about some other ancillary programming that's going to be going on, such as past games, uh, more more preview shows, pregame and postgame shows. Uh, People like uh, Dwight Burgess and Chris uh, Durant, who do the uh, TV game, broadcast TV games, are going to be heavily involved in this as well. And uh, this is something. This is one of the primary things that made Time Warner Cable Sports Channel the option to go with is knowing that you're a higher priority. You get more programming. Now, of course, on the flip side, of that is, hey, what about those people who don't have Time Warner? They still can't see this stuff. And the the the, the this is you know, whether or not a solution can be worked out. It, it remains to be seen. I think certainly. Uh, at least for the short term, with Mr. Precorp serving as the president, 
this is something he's going to have to try to address at some point in time. Whether or not the new president gets involved with it, is going to, it remains to be seen, depending on what they can work out. Uh, certainly, some of the answers that came from the crew when this was happening as far as how can people see the games, because, again, this is black, the black, they also, all the games, both home and away, are blacked out on both MLS Direct Kick and MLS Live Online within 75 miles of Crusadium. And that's the, real, that's, that's the real sticking point is the road games. I mean, the home games, there's at least a grudging acknowledgement, okay, I see they want to get more rear ends in the seats. That, you know, and the people at least grudgingly acknowledge that as being legitimate. They're not always happy about it, but they aren't. But the road game provisions were really, as people steamed, and some of the, there were some clunky answers that came out of the front office uh, regarding that in terms of, you know, you know, going to sports bars, following on social media, and things that, things of that nature are concerned. Um, you know, the big the big problem is Time Warner Cable has not um, shown any willingness in the past to share their channel with other cable or satellite providers. And I, I and I talked about this last week when I had Time Warner Cable. They, uh, they also carry Time Warner Cable Sportsnet out of Los Angeles, which carries, among other things, the Galaxy. And they carry right. the games and some of the other shows they have. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I could see the other shows, like the pregame and the midweek shows, but the games were blacked out, and that included the replays. Yes, you heard me right. The replays were blacked out, a game that's already wow. happened. There's no uh, I didn't hear you right. Well, you I said that. <laughs> I still, yeah. I, I, two days later, Tuesday, I see, I see LA Galaxy. Uh, perfect. It's, it's got to be on, right? No, it's not. Can't watch it. After it's been played. I, that, that one befuddled me no end. So um, th- this is, um, you know, it, for all, and it's funny because uh, the one thing you saw on social media is like all the good things they've done so far and then they mess it up with this. That was the, the prevailing sense of it out there, so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. Um, now, I don't know, did you get a chance to watch uh, the Manchester Derby today, or did I read anything about that? Uh, I did read about it. Uh, I saw a line uh, that uh, Manchester City scored in the first minute, and they, uh, Manchester you had it, did not even touch the ball. Right, yeah, they uh, they scored, four, Eden Jekyll scored 42 seconds into it. And uh, once again, the United, the United defense needs help. This is something Moyes has got to fix this defense in a hurry. I, you know, guys like I don't think guys like uh, Chris Smalling and Phil Jones are the answer necessarily. Uh, Tom Cleverly played today, and personally, uh, I'd sell him for a bag of used training balls right now. Uh, to be perfectly <laughs> blunt and honest, this is this needs a fix. I still think Dave Moore, David Moyes can fix this if he's given the time and assuming he's going to get the money he's been promised. But, you know, the issue is going to be, you know, assuming that there's, they're going to miss out on the Champions League unless they can somehow find a way to win it. And with having to play Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals, I'm, I'm just, I wouldn't count on it. I'd say I wouldn't put anything of value on Manchester United beating Bayern Munich in this quarterfinal tie. Uh, and even the Europa League is looking thinner right now. There's seven points out of that sixth spot uh, behind Spurs. And 
you know, there are people who I don't know your take on this, but I've read people say, hey, you don't. It's not necessarily doom and gloom because you got a situation where this club A just signed a very big renewal of their deal with Nike for their uniforms. They also uh, have the deal with Chevrolet to be their shirt sponsor, which which is a rather interesting move because Chevrolet is not going to be as be in Europe as big as they have been in the past. Uh, they're they're kind of withdrawn from their market a little bit. But there are people who say between those things and the fact it's still Manchester United big name, they could still attract some top name players. Uh, oh, you know, certainly, right. again. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's a few years. Beckham's kids are going to be playing in MLS for his team of Miami. I think that's eventually going to happen. They're going to finally going to stop bouncing around to all those academies out there. Funny you mention Beckham. I don't know if you saw this one, but I saw a rather interesting thing uh, today uh, regarding Beckham with the stadium. Uh, for there was a, uh, he made this. I'm trying to pull this up here. He revealed the the stadium uh, plan. This is from the uh, the Sun Sentinel. Uh, down in Miami, they've got a they property. That well, they're they're this they picked out the property. Now whether or not they have they're, they're it's going to be they want to put it on the waterfront uh, in, oh, in Miami sure. uh, at Port Port Miami to be exact. And uh, now one of the things he said is that the soccer he's not going to, him? Excuse me. So it's on the water. You said it's at the port. You know, so you can come for the yeah. soccer, stay for the Sterling Long for a minute. Yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> Good thinking there. You better, you better pitch that to back. You might you might take you up on it. But one of the things that have has been pointed out, and um, this was from uh, uh, John Alshuler, uh John Alshuler, who is the uh, real estate advisor working for David Beckham on this. Uh, it's a twenty-five thousand seat stadium. Uh, as part of a complex that's going to include commercial development at the southwest corner of the port on Dodge Island. I'm, I'm not familiar with the area. I've got somebody, I know somebody does some basketball blog in Miami. I'm going to ask her about that. But they did say that the stadium, at least, is going to be privately funded. And Alshuler has said that they have the financing in place to cover more than $200 million in the startup costs for the team first-year player salaries, and the stadium infrastructure. Uh, again, this is from the Sun Sentinel uh, website today. Uh, but another thing that was talked about that I saw on Twitter was uh, a preliminary discussion about the possibility of, this, of the University of Miami teaming up with them uh, and maybe making a bigger stadium. Which I thought was rather interesting because they're in a lot the hurricanes. They're in a long-term lease up at whatever it's called this week up there in Fort Lauderdale where the Dolphins play. Uh, so I thought that it's, you know, two, that's kind of a, a kind of a throwaway. I think the big thing here is this pledge: they're not going to ask for public money. Uh, this is something obviously, you know, public money for sports facilities is a hard sell these days. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think, assuming... Oh, especially in Miami after the Marlins oh, yeah. fleeced the people. Oh, yeah, that yeah. don't get me started on that. Uh, that, that uh, Dan Laurie, oh, geez. I, w- I, if, I, would, 
I'd say, Dan Lurie, I wouldn't even shake his hand unless I had a lawyer present. I'd say that right now, yes. So this, this is a big deal, you know, to, to be able to say we're not going to ask for taxpayer money. You know, and uh, the other, they're talking, that's the one they really want. They've also talked about uh, the uh, possibly an old stadium at Florida International University, and uh, that's one that has a little bit of, to me, has a little bit of leverage because uh, Marcello Clare, the, uh, uh, I think he's from Venezuela, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but he's really the real money behind all this. He is on the board of trustees there at FIU. So there's some, there's some uh, traction for that, especially when that's being considered as a temporary location for the team while the stadium is being built. And you, you mentioned the Marlins, but what, uh, this article says that there's uh, that land uh, next to Marlins Park uh, is a possibility as well, because apparently the, the original plan was to have both that stadium for the Marlins and a soccer complex. And I had heard, I had not heard that one before personally. Oh, great. Next time there's a goal that, like, that, uh, whatever, that uh, Sapphire, Pinky, whatever, Marley can jump up or something. Well, I, I'd say I would see. No, I, mean, I, 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 say, I always like watching the Mets play. And, like, when someone hits a home run and the apple used to come up, that, that was awesome. Right, yeah. They still had it. I mean, I, I thought when the Arizona Diamondbacks put the hot tub out beyond the right field wall, that was the weirdest oh. thing I'd ever <laughs> seen in a baseball That's park. Right. But that thing the Marlins have. There's, that, that topped it, though, with, without question, that topped it, or bottomed it in this case, I should say. Bottomed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really. But I, I find the Marlins Park site an interesting idea because one of the things that's talked about a lot with Miami and their team is, is the demographic there and how – Marlins Park was built at the site of the old Orange Bowl, may she rest in peace, uh, which is in the little Havana neighborhood, obviously a heavily Cuban community there, uh, which of course uh, is, is, makes a large, uh, Cuban Americans in general make a large part of the population there, as do other people from other island countries in the Caribbean. And you know, people talk about how should the marketing be done in terms of getting people out there and how the stadium location makes a difference. And what people tend to forget, and I, you, you could, it's, it's different than it is where you are. You obviously, you, the Latino population there, you're talking mostly people from Mexico, where, where football is the number one thing. The Caribbean nations, especially Cuba, that's not the case. Baseball has always been the game because the Caribbean nations, Cuba in particular, were always looking to the United States for, uh, for you know, in terms of you know, culture and things like that. Baseball has always been their game and not football. And that's not the case in Los Angeles. And we've seen what happened with Chivas USA when you basically try to, you know, you come up with a plan that says, in other words, hey, you know, this is a Hispanic Latino team. It's not really for the Angles, number one. And number two, for those of you who are of Hispanic, Latino, Mexican heritage, we're going to pick the team that causes the most division in the, in the, among the football fans because, you know, Chivas, they're Mexico's Manchester United. They're either loved or they're low. There's no middle ground there. Right. So uh, go, going to the regular uh, standings here, the uh, MLS has their uh, power rankings. So right now they have the Columbus Coast fifth. How do you think that stands up, Keith? 
I put no weight whatsoever in power rankings or whatever. Oh, I know. Those, those, you know, those, that kind of thing. That Especially kind of three weeks in. Three weeks yeah, in. Your, your, your defending champions have played, you know, two games in Mexico, uh, have played a game in Mexico. You know, uh, San Jose has only played two games. Yeah, it's it. You know, power rankings. I don't put a whole lot of stock in in a professional. But, but I mean, they sport. are. Do, do you think Columbus is off? I mean, they're off a good start, right? I mean, it is. It's a very good start, and you can. It, for what I've been reading about, it's there's just a difference in how they're playing. Um, mm-hmm. You certainly, you know, play. You know, Federico Iguain has has been a big part of this, and the, the people said, yeah, there's just something different about the way they're playing. There's, it seems to have, uh, you know, more purpose. There's more. Uh, it, it just seems more, more cohesive in terms of how they're playing, and you know whether or not that's you know a new coach and a new philosophy coming in. You know, certainly there've been there've been a number of changes in terms of the players, especially mm-hmm. uh, in the back. Well, and the back playing incredible. Yeah, and Johnny so, after that play. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a it's a perfect start. It really is. Uh, you so but in more ways than one. Obviously, uh, you know the question, of course, because can you sustain it over the long haul? Long haul, obviously, you know, there's going to be ups and downs throughout throughout a season, of course. But you you when you're it's obviously it's better you know, when you're chasing a playoff place. Obviously, it's better to be playing from the front that it is to try to play catch-up mode in the second half of the season. Because we've seen the crew have to do that uh, more than once over the last few years. And um, it also speaks to how you, you look at the roster turnover. Uh, and this was, I was not aware of this until I read a story. as a profile of uh, Dominic Aduro in 614 Magazine. There is not a single player left on the roster from the 2008 MLS Cup winners. That was just six years right. ago. You think there's so much change, especially in terms, and the, to me the biggest change has been the development of some of these young local players. There were a number of times during last season where there were six guys from Ohio on the field at any one time. And it was, it was partially out of necessity because guys were getting hurt, but because there's been more changes coming this year, with people such as you know, Andy Greenbaum and Chad Marshall departing, it's creating more opportunities. And we're seeing cases yet. Some of these newer guys are, are clearly seeing this as, hey, this is my chance to prove myself to a guy who is coming in fresh, who doesn't have any preconceived notions, as opposed to as opposed to Robert Barzija and Brian Bliss. So you're looking at guys who are hungry, in a lot of ways, hungry to prove themselves, uh, certainly looking to show that, hey, they deserve the chance to either get in the team or stay in the team and impress the new coach. And I think it's make, I think that's making a big difference here as well. All right, Keith, I'm going to go. I know you don't like power rankings, but I'm going to go from, uh, from one to ten, and you tell me agree or disagree. So MLS has FC Dallas in first place. Agree or disagree? Well, I, I based on, I got undefeated. I actually have to, you got a three-one yeah, win over Chivas this weekend. Yeah. I did. I got to see a, a parts of their first two games because I had the uh, mm-hmm. I had the free preview of the MLS direct kick, and they looked very impressive. Certainly, uh, I it'd be 
it'd be, it, I, certainly they're going if they continue, they're certainly going to be a team to contend with this season based on what mm-hmm. I saw the first uh, couple of first couple of games. Uh, they look pretty solid. They certainly have uh, looked very good uh, in attack in particular. So yeah, that would be. They're, I can they're hear definitely, that. Yeah, they're definitely up there. There's no question. You could you, you if you can score goals early in the season. It helps because, and I, I'm not saying this in the literal sense, but in the figurative sense, when you get to the second half of the season, the ball gets bigger and the goals get smaller. You know, what, what I'm saying, right. it gets harder and harder to score a goal, especially when you're fighting, when you get teeth fire or slide. So when you have, goal scoring is so much about confidence, uh, not just from an individual standpoint, but from the team standpoint, when you know you can score goals, uh, it makes a big difference if you, because there's going to be times when you fall behind in a game especially late in the season. So, yeah, that's the Dallas, if they continue that, uh, certainly will be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, you'd have to say they're definitely, if you put any stock in those power rankings, yeah, that that would be your first place team. <laughs> All right, second place, the Houston Dynamo. Uh, agree yeah, or disagree? I'm not sure I agree on this because the simple fact, mm-hmm. I watched a good part of that first game against the New England Revolution. And mm-hmm. for all the talk about the Revs being this year's sleeper team, they didn't look like it. They looked terrible their first two games. Right. And so yeah. I'm not, I am not sure if I put a lot of stock in what Houston has done early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, hopefully, and, and, and Kofi Sarkozy, if you're listening out there, we're trying, not trying to knock you personally. Uh, because we want you on the show, first of all. <laughs> because I made my, I made my pitch to Back in February, I made, he was he was in Cincinnati for a game visiting his brother Kwame, and I made my picture to get him on there. So, uh, so hopefully he'll be able. To, but yeah, I don't. I think I'm going to disagree on on Houston being that mm-hmm. high because I think they took advantage of a, uh, a a New England Revolution team that might not be all as cracked up to be at least here in the early goal. Right, they did what they were supposed to do. You know, yeah, they won. They won against the bad team. Well, that's, yeah. that's all the right. Idea. I, yeah, well, because I always remember uh, the legendary uh, baseball owner, Bill Beck, he always said the secret to success is beat the brains out of the bums and split with the contenders. So, yeah, you, you better win the games you're supposed to win. You're absolutely right. Houston did that. Right. Okay, third place is Sporting Kansas City. Uh, opened with a one-one draw, one, one draw with Houston. I'm uh, sorry, Dallas. Uh, then they um, beat San Jose. Uh, last week on uh, Saturday in, in San Jose, both teams coming off yeah. of uh, some disappointing losses in uh, in uh, um, Concacaf. Yeah, that, well, yeah, they had a t- they had a tough time uh, uh, in Mexico when they played against Cruz Azul because uh, they did their their back line was not that what they usually have. I have to agree. I think that that it's certainly a uh, a better team than they looked uh, in mm-hmm. those two games. That, not only that game, but the uh, the win over San Jose, that was not pretty, but, you know, as I often like to say, this is not figure skating. You don't get points for artistic impression. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I what, what, you know, the idea is get the three points. It's results-based. I don't care. It doesn't have to be pretty. I know people from Brazil will disagree with that, but it does, the idea is get the, get the result. I think they're better than they've shown. Um, you know, again, partially they're, they're, they're dealing with player availability issues. But this is an interesting stat I saw here. You probably saw it, too. The goal, I can't, it doesn't say who scored against San Jose, but that was the first goal a sporting kids forward had scored in nearly 10 hours. That is not going to cut it. That has, 
that it has to by, change. By a forward. By a yeah, forward, I mean, yeah. It was, that it was, is a, yeah. Yeah, if it, that, right now I have to agree with where, I, I disagree a little, I, I should say, I disagree with where they are. I might be inclined to move them a little lower uh, behind the crew necessarily, mm-hmm. but if the forwards aren't scoring, you got problems. And that brings us to number five, which is the Columbus crew. you think fifth place is, uh, you know, accurate? Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, it's... Oh, excuse you know, me. I'm so about, sorry. They are fifth place. Fourth place, sorry, fourth place, is uh, Real Salt Lake. Yeah. Real yeah, Salt Lake... Uh, I'd say Real Salt Lake is in the right place. Uh, they certainly... Uh, they showed well their first couple of games. You know, the, the draw, the draw at home with LA Galaxy was a bit disappointing, certainly. Uh, yeah. But chippy game was, too. Uh, chippy. Yeah, yeah. But when you got when you got uh, a guy, a goalkeeper like Nick Romano, and you got a guy like Kyle Beckerman in the middle of the park, you're going to be a very good team. And, and certainly, mm-hmm. Real Salt Lake will be up there in the upper echelon uh, throughout the season. Uh, I don't think you're going to see, you know, even with a new coach, you know, I don't think you're going to see much of a step back to this. I'd say, I'd say they're about where they should be. Uh, I actually, I tell you, I would put them third with the crew fourth and Sporting Kansas City fifth is mm-hmm. what I would do. Mm-hmm. But I'd say, you know, otherwise, other than that, I'd say Ralph so, Lake. I agree with where they where they sit. Yeah. Okay, and then yeah, the fifth place is um, uh, Columbus Crew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the and crew. Then, it's it's yeah. So far, so far, so good. You know, they if they you know if they had to, you know, they had to fight the last half hour against Philadelphia. But uh, to be able mm-hmm. to do that and win again, I mean, it's a confidence booster, certainly. Is there anyone that you think that should be in the top five? And you're surprised isn't there? Because there, there's one team for me that I'm surprised is not in the top five. You could, and I think I know where you're going with this Toronto FC. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. You, they, you could make the argument for it, especially because everybody's talking about, you know, people are talking about Jermaine Defoe a lot, but, you mm-hmm. know, Michael Bradley is the real key to this team right now. Absolutely. Uh, and he's and he has proven that so far. Certainly you, you can mm-hmm. tell that his experience at AS Roma has made a big difference with him. Uh, you certainly, you, the, the Serie A, in terms of its physicality and pace, probably compares a lot more. Favorably, uh, I mean, it's a similar kind of setting in terms of how the game is played to MLS, and that's made a big difference. And I think, yeah, you could make a case for TFC in the top five. You know, wh- you know whether or not this can continue uh, remains to be seen. Um, but yes, yeah, so so far uh, they've they've come good uh, in every way you expected. Certainly. If, the uh, fans in Toronto have to be happy about it uh, with all the uh, the changes that have come up here in the off season. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the team who I think has impressed me that uh, had actually lost it because the Philadelphia Union. Now, did you, did you see this game, or were you blacked out? Or I was black. I'm blacked out. Yeah, I'm. I'm about uh, wow. I'm about thirty miles, twenty miles from Cruise State, so I didn't see it. But you know, I got. I did get a chance to see some of the. Uh, Highlights. Uh, that first goal that Columbus got, uh, the defending there was was not good. Uh, you can't you can't give anybody that kind of space there close to the six yard box. Uh, that certainly can't continue. Um, they uh, they certainly turned again in the last half hour. They certainly turned up the pressure. Uh, you know, 
and uh, you know, Jack McInerney, if he can get to, you know, obviously he's going to be a big key to this team, as is uh, Sebastian Latou, because they definitely, uh, they need to score, you know, this is a team that's going to need to score more goals. Uh, one, one goal a game, uh, much like we saw with the crew in recent years, one goal a game is not going to cut it. And when you've yeah. got players like Latou and McInerney, you should be getting yeah. one more, more than one goal a game. Exactly. Room, they can't. They can't be happy with that. Yeah, but there's room for improvement. I think they will improve as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah, that's my pick for uh, for MLS Cup. But uh, yeah, they, and it's, it's weird too because everyone thought, wow, like, you know, went to Portland, they should have that win, and now we're like, well, now Portland kind of isn't really off to a great start. So it's funny how things work out. Yeah, it's it certainly is. Uh, you know, you know, we're seeing that. You know, the Cascadia teams aren't really off to the greatest of starts, uh, all of no. them. And uh, I, you know, with Vancouver, you know, they got a big yeah. group with uh, had a goalless draw with New England. With New England's start, that has to be really disappointing for them. And, and they had a man advantage as well. They had a man advantage yeah, in that yeah. game for about all but 12 minutes of the, of the match. Right, right. And you, you, you normally you take a point on the road. But under those circumstances, you think that hey, three points should, we should have gotten three points out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially after what they did in New York. I mean, now and that's another team off to another dreadful start as well. Yeah, because uh, we t- we had talked about this before a couple of weeks ago, and I had said another a couple of people had said and we didn't think New York was going to be what they what they were last year when they won the Supporters Shield. Uh, certainly, you know, Thierry Henry. He's only a year older. He's certainly not a year better. Um, it's uh, yeah, he, It's not what you know, the attack uh, isn't what it was last year, and uh, so far at least early on. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think New York. I think New York is going to see a, a drop off from last year, and if if uh, if they're not careful, a serious drop off. And what about? Uh... Our favorite team, the Colorado Rapids, who um, have scored all three of their goals off a penalty kick. <laughs> well, uh, certainly when you get penalties, you better There's take the Golden Globe team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, You've got to score those penalties, but you, obviously you can't depend on that. Uh, yeah. They, uh, so that's uh, – that's something that you know, that's obviously going to have to be worked on uh, as far as Col- as far as the Rapids are concerned. Um, but uh, they've got they've got a kid Dylan Powers who's uh, who's definitely beginning to come into his own uh, for the Rapids right in the center of the park. And that's uh, when you when you've got a guy who can take charge of a game right there in the in, in the middle of the pitch, uh, you, you're you're definitely you're definitely up a uh, you definitely got a leg up on your competition. All right, now, let's, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a look at the pie here. You tell me your thoughts, okay? We'll do the bottom five. Okay, um, at uh, 14, oops, I hit end. I'm going to hit, I meant to hit page down. Technical difficulties here. Okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, I think you'll find some, some similarities to last year. Um, but at 19 is D.C. United. Yeah, this is uh, – up the, the, the scoring, they brought in, you know, uh, they got rid of Dayro, but they brought in Eddie Johnson, made him definitely player. They brought in uh, Spindola. Uh, Texas doesn't seem to be on track. 
Yeah, and that's funny. It's a, you, you know, we've seen you know, we've seen Eddie Johnson and, and the Spindola. We they, they're proven goal scorers. This week. we've seen that before, uh, but so far nothing. And, uh, and, yeah, and we talked about we mentioned before. You know, goal scoring is about confidence. If you can't score goals now, you know that just snowballs later on later on down the line. Uh, it's it's things are obviously in disarray there, but it's, it's a long season. They've got they have some time to figure this out yet, but. You don't want to take too long because you don't want to be, you don't want to fall too far out of touch of the uh, of the leaders, or pretty soon you won't be able to see them anymore. So true, so true. Uh, yeah. Okay, number eighteen, actually, uh, Montreal Impact. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they've got to go. They got to go to Philly, Philadelphia this week, which is not going to be easy for them. Uh, not having Marco Devile. But you know, I, I remember seeing it. Uh, yeah, they played the crew three times last year, and De, Devaya was was a handful. Uh, mm-hmm. So for them for them to be without him uh, hurts badly. And uh, to be, yeah, if they're not going to have him for a while, that's going to be a big problem. You look you look at if I, it's not necessarily a comparison, but you look at what happened with Cardiff City when they lost Michu. Look what's happened to them. They've been in a relegation fight most of the year, so this is uh, this is a hole they can't. They they're going to have to fight. It's going to be a long, hard fight to get out of. Uh, and Philadelphia is definitely not the place to start such a climb. But now I I I, I just I want to preface this uh, with a tease because I love. But I thought it was very telling last week when um, our good friend Russ tweeted out, "Yes." It's Dynasty Week, Patriots Dynasty Week on the NFL Network. He does the Patriots podcast too, but yeah, after the way the Revs have started, um, I can't say I blame them. I'm surprised the Revs weren't at the bottom of this list. Yeah, uh, because that's good, that's good that, Yeah, that's such a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, I think that's. I think that has a lot to do with it. It, it really does. Because this happens when you, you, you have when you have some serious roster overhaul. It doesn't always gel right. Sometimes you know, with the crew, it's done pretty well. Uh, with the, with the Revs, it certainly has it. And they're uh, you know, t- trying to play, trying to get a goal in San Jose is not going to be an easy task either. Uh, it's uh, just don't. If you don't look at the, that new crest of the quakes, though, whatever you do, just that only make things worse. Uh, I mean, right. I don't know who. I, I don't know. Once again, it's one of those. I'm not sure which is worse: the fact that somebody got paid to come up with the idea, or that somebody was paid to approve it. You know, I, I'm just I'm just not sure which is worse in that case. <laughs> but uh, you're yeah. almost putting hairs. Yeah. yeah uh, so, well, um, yeah, but somebody. Yeah, somebody's got to approve these things. After the other submitted, get a rubber set. Somebody got to look at it and say, "Okay, we like this." Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, the Revolution got did actually get a point last week, but unfortunately, they're they're scoreless in three consecutive in all three games, and now they're on the road to San Jose. So it doesn't. I mean, this this could be the sort of. I mean, if they put in a good performance, here, that could really turn things around. That could be a real rallying point, but. At the same time, the momentum. Yeah, they're going to. The they have to. Yeah, they have to circle the wagons here. I mean, the, the, hopefully, the one thing they could probably draw, they, they need to draw, is the fact, hey, 
we spent most of, we spent the better part of 75 minutes down a man and we got a goalless draw out of it so uh, right. you know, we know we can you know, we know we can you know, be in there for the fight and we can protect our own goal in, in scoring obviously to expect to get a goal when you play 75 minutes down a man is, is a pretty tall task even at home uh, but you know, not but you know, so hopefully that you know, that mentality has got to stay because when you're going when you're going against the San Jose team, it's a very good defense. Uh, I think the Revs would be happy if they could get, match that result against Vancouver, get another goalless draw. That would be that would probably be good for their confidence, uh, especially coming off uh, uh, a tough uh, a tough point uh, last week at home. All right, I got, I got one more left for you, and then we can talk about something else. But uh, uh, this one is uh, one I severely disagree with. But at 16th, uh, MLS has Chivas USA. I think that's absurd. I think Chivas has played. They're, uh, they lost to the team that is in first place on the road. And, you know, for most of that contest, it was, it was you know, really wasn't put out of race until like the last uh, about the 90th minute. Um, I, I think putting them at – I think them put it, it's just lazy, in my opinion. I think that Chivas is maybe not a top 10 team, but certainly higher than, than 16th. But uh, what's your opinion yeah, I, th- I think this is a case of... I uh, might be a homer, too. <laughs> well, I yeah, might be a bit of a homer. No, but I think you make some legitimate points there, because I, th- I think this is clearly a case of their reputation is preceding them. Uh, yeah. You, again, to go, they, they, you're, you're absolutely right. They played Dallas almost to a standstill on the road for a long period of time. And uh, so I think there's... There's some young kids there that can make a difference. Uh, I think I think one of the things that works in their favor now is the ownership situation is stable. They don't have to worry about that craziness anymore. Nope. So nowhere to go but up. Yeah, the right, exactly, and that's I think that's the approach they're going to take as the season goes on. And say, hey, you know, we can you know we can make things better. We have to make things better, and uh, so hopefully. Uh, hopefully that will be uh, be what happens here. Yeah. So uh, this is yeah. this is the uh, yellow this is the yellow card podcast here on BlogTalkRadio.com. I'm Keith Cookin. The Matt Hoffman is uh, joining me here. We've been talking about MLS, uh, but uh, another call just popped in, and I'm hoping it's who I think it is. Carly, is that you? That's Ryan. Ryan. Hey, okay. How you doing, so, man? Right. Good. Ryan Seelock from the Sons of Ben in Philadelphia. Glad you could join us here, Ryan. We've been uh, talking about the – we've been discussing the MLS power rankings, and while I, you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in them, um, I do. certainly uh, – Sorry. Yeah, you talked me yeah, out of it, though. Well, yeah. Well, certainly, you know, you know Philadelphia, you know, of course, they came in here uh, last this past weekend and lost to uh, Columbus Crew, but uh, – yeah, you had to be encouraged a little bit by the last uh, half hour that the you uh, put in as far as pushing to try to get that equalizing goal is concerned. Um, actually, I'm I'm the fire guy, so I didn't really catch the Union game. <laughs> I, I I do watch other games too, but uh, I yeah. didn't catch the Union game this time. Right. Okay. So what, what's right. the, did the well, Chicago Fire try to deal with Unimoss that I was unaware of? Every time, every week, the game's on Unimoss. I know, and it makes me mad because where I'm at, for some things I'm considered local Chicago, um, but uh, the local station, my 50, 
Um, I can't watch where I live, but I can still watch an MLS Live. Well, when Unimas picks it up, um, then it's national, and I have to go find a stream, so pop-ups galore. So I'm excited. You know, the, the it's the fourth game of the season coming up, and I'll finally get to watch them on TV. Four games. But where are, where exactly are you, Ryan? Um, I'm about oh, driving quickly, about four hours to the west of Chicago, so in eastern Iowa. So, yeah, so it's still a little bit of a drive, but I'm kind of, yeah, I'm close, four hours from Chicago, three from the Twin Cities, five from Omaha, Kansas City. So I have quite a few big cities around me, but, uh, so yeah, it's kind of frustrating to be considered local for some things, but when Unimas picks it up, which... Thankfully, there's only one or two more Unimas games uh, I can watch any other time. So it's kind of been frustrating not to have the high-def experience. And I usually make a couple games, too, uh, every year in person, but it's not going to be until the summer. Wow. You know, and speaking of, uh, like, blackout issues, the biggest screw, I think, in the world is, ma- is um, Major League Baseball um, thing. If, if you're in a state that – if you neighbor a state that has a team – you're locked out of their TV deal. So in the case of Iowa, you're locked out of the Cubs, the White Sox, um, Twins, Brewers, Brewers, Royals, Twins, and my beloved Kansas City Royals. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, uh, the Reds, I think, too. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a real school. Actually, if I'm, yeah, it is the Reds, right. Yeah, that, yep. that's like, is that 16? Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's like eight. So pretty much a third of baseball would be blacked out. No, I would normally say luckily or fortunately, but I'm a Cubs fan, so I can't really use those words. I get all the I get both channels they show their games on, so I get all their games. But yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah there's like literally a third of MLB that if I had MLB TV would be blacked out. It, it's just stupid. That's why I would never buy it. I, I, you're right. MLBs are blackout rules are the most archaic things ever, but you know they they keep raking in money, so I don't see it changing. At least not with Seelig at the helm, but that's for another. Another day. <laughs> that's, I live, that's I live right here in Iowa City, and I kept buying it, thinking this will be the year they fix it. This will be the year they fix it, and it never happened. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> See, I I could never understand why you ha- why these packages you buy for these leagues, whatever. I can never understand why of having to buy for the entire league. You can't watch all those games. It's physically not possible. Why not charge say? $75 a team if you want to watch a particular team. Ladies and gentlemen, you're a Royals fan, Ryan, you're a Cubs fan. You know, me, I'm, I'm, I'm in Columbus. I can still watch the Indians games here. But it's like, you know, for, for the National Hockey League, you know, I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Why can't I – it doesn't make sense for me to buy all that, you know, all those other games when all I want to see is the Leafs. You know, I get the Blue Jackets, Fox Sports, Ohio. So I – it's – there's a lot of rules that are archaic, uh, not just the blackout rules as far as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah, it'd, it'd be great, you know, if you could just, like you said, it's hard to watch other teams. I mean, you know, I definitely try to catch other MLS games, but, you know, I'm not going to get jacked up for a FC Dallas, you know, uh, FC Dallas, um, um, you know, Galaxy game or whatever, not, you know, if it's on and nothing else is on or, you know, I have time, yeah, I'll flip it on, but, but you're right. I mean, I obviously care about my team and the rivals of my teams at least uh, if I'm going to watch something. So, yeah, it's, it'd be nice to have more selection. And, yeah, you know, I think that's a great thing 
unfortunately, NBC, you know, is is going away from M- uh, MLS this year. But what they've done with the Premier League, uh, I'm fortunate that I get NBC Sports. I have DirecTV, and I get all the overflow channels too, without paying any That's extra. Sort of and I can, yeah, I can watch them on my phone or computer with live extra. So, um, really fortunate there, and just you know, something like that. NBA, NBC came in and. I think pretty much showed how you broadcast soccer compared to Fox soccer. So hopefully when they pick up Bundesliga next year and get MLS back, they've learned a lesson or two. But that was Fox. Well, one of the things, I, I'm not yeah, it, it, yeah. Well, the thing, the thing you have that they, you obviously one of the advantages they have is they have the exclusive rights. That's one of the big things they have. So it's in, it's in their best interest to to have. But particularly the ancillary programming. Now, some of it, obviously, you know, whether it be the, the highlight show, the preview, the review, uh, some of the other things. Obviously, those are done by the Premier League, and they just and NBC just airs them. And likewise, the game production itself. You know, they're just taking the feed from whoever's showing the game, whether it be you know, Sky Sports or whoever the case may be. You know, the key is with the stuff in studio, such as Premier League Live, the pregame show, things, things of that nature. That's when they really showed how it should be done, and you know, obviously, you know, there a lot of people have criticized Fox Soccer for how they've done things. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, that will change. Uh, ide- ideally, uh, in my perfect world, uh, they would make at least one new hire as far as talent is concerned. Gee, who's he talking about? I wonder. Uh, yeah. but, uh, Barack you know, Obama. Yes. Uh, not quite. <laughs> But you know, ESPN has shown a willingness to take it seriously. Uh, certainly, you look at what they've been doing when they've shown the World Cup. You know, they've sent their people over there to the last few World Cups. I think expires after this summer's World Cup when Fox takes over in 2015. I th- and I think it's important for that reason that Fox Soccer shows that they're going to be more serious about MLS because obviously – People who follow MLS are naturally they're going to want to see how these guys do in the World Cup as well. Because Fox has the World Cup starting next year with the Women's World Cup in Canada going, I believe, through 2022, wherever that's going to be held. Uh, there's, still, there's still some doubt about that one, but uh, you know, Fox has definitely got to do, do whatever they can because, again, this is a pressure. They just don't take it very seriously, and they really need to change that. Even though they're going to be sharing the games with ESPN, they don't have exclusive rights, it's important that they, they try they try to, you know, at least, I, I don't want to say do it better because I'm not going to say they were as bad as some people make them out to be, but they certainly have to, to pick their game up a notch. And I, I'm hoping that what NBC has done with the Premier League, it's going to be a motivating factor. Of course, the the, uh, the flip side of that is you've still got a situation where you know the launch of the Fox Sports One and Fox Sports Two obviously were a big deal to them, and we've seen soccer take a more of a back seat as a result of it. And uh, somebody <clears throat> hit hit on this show said that was going to happen. So, but what we, what you know, some of the early what's that? Was that Vanessa? Well, yeah, she, they, he, he and Vanessa support the same Premier League team. Let's put it that way. But, uh, can, I, can I ask Ryan a quick question? Uh, so, yeah, go for it. Any of the fire games, Ryan? What's that? 
Have you been able to see any of the fire games? I mean, yeah, like replays? Yeah. No, so, no, I, uh, I, I've seen the replay, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll use streaming. I'm not, a, you know, some people are like, oh, hush, 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 but you know what? Right. I'll go to a streaming well, I mean, website. I mean, yeah. there's pop-ups galore, but you know what? It's not good quality, but it gets me, gets me through the match. Right. Okay, no, guys. Hey, guys. Hold, hold, hold a second, guys. Hate to interrupt you, but our special guest, I believe, has finally arrived. Uh, Carly Lloyd, is that you out there? No, it's not, my friend. It's, ah, it's right Russ Goldman. How are you doing? People stop teasing me like this. Russ, I'm glad uh, you called uh, Russ. Carly, do you have a cold? What's that? Excuse me? Do you have a cold? No, I don't have a cold. No, no. Carly have a cold. That's it. Sorry. Right. Me. <laughs> okay. Russ, I'm glad you called in. I don't know if you saw this. Did you, did you see the Boston Magazine article on the craft? Yes, I did. That's okay, that's actually why I'm calling in, Keith. Because Steve and I were bantering about this a little bit, too. I definitely am glad you called in because I want to hear your take on this. After I read it earlier this afternoon, and I definitely want to know what you think. Sure. Uh, well, to be honest with you, when I first saw it, I saw it on Facebook. And uh, as uh, I've told you, Keith, on many occasions, the, the media coverage in Boston on the Revs is, is – uh, is poor to basically not even existent. Uh, oh, you know, sure. again, I mean, the article, one of the great lines in that article was pointing out how you know what David Ortiz has for lunch creates more buzz than a Revolution playoff game. Yeah, you know, and and the issue is that you know, and again, the one the one good thing that the article brought up is that there is there is a distinct fan base for, for the Revolution. There really is. Uh, oh yeah, but but the issue is that that they don't you know they don't get the coverage that really they deserve, and it's something that frustrates me as someone that that watches all the matches, that lives a stone's throw away from Gillette Stadium. I got to be honest with you, it's a horrible place to have to have a match. It really is. Uh, it, it's twofold. It's the stadium. It's the turf. There's a big deal now that that they actually just they they just took out the turf and they put on and they put in another turf, you know. Again, it's it's very frustrating. The product the product needs to change, meaning that that they need their own venue and they need to be going back to to uh, to grass and get away from turf because watching a revolution match on the surface that they've been using again they are changing the surface, but it's still turf. It just is. It's difficult to watch, and well, and part and one of the things you point you point up the turf. It's something you have. So has to be, and I know I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, yeah. Right, so you're not hearing it. This isn't aimed at you necessarily, but this 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 new infill artificial turf. There's about at least a half a dozen different companies who make this. Right. Stuff. And what you have to understand is this. They can be made for different sports in terms of the lights of the blade, the grass, how much right. padding is underneath, how much more repellent is. Right. This, this, this turf is being you, made for football. This turf, right. is, this turf be, is being made specifically for the NFL, and exactly. that's the Which issue is the same I have. Situation in Seattle, and the thing you just it's the same. A little bit it, it's the same turf. It's, They're actually using yeah, the same turf that they use in Seattle. 
Yeah, because it's it's a little the grass the blades uh, the blades are shorter. It's a little bit harder surface because in football speed is the thing. Now, of course, the collision with the surface like hit it's like getting hit a second time, but that's another argument for another podcast. But there is soccer specific infield turf. I play. You go to indoor soccer facilities. You it, they yep. have it. It definitely plays. It plays much more like real grass in terms of the bounces and stuff. Look at the it's Emirates the Stadium. Fo- Look at the Emirates. Yeah. The Emirates yeah, is a combination no, of a um, real grass you guys and like the article? Can, can you tell me why? I, I, and tell me about the article and what, what were your, uh, you know, opinion, thoughts of it? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is this Matt? That's okay. This is. Yes, it is. Yeah, Matt, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I was going off on a tangent on the, uh, on the stadium. On the, on the, on the actual article, uh, it's funny because uh, as, I, you know, as I went through my day and, uh, and thinking about the title, I think the title is a little bit unjust to call to call them the worst manage, the the worst owners in in MLS. The more the more I, I was thinking about it, but many of the I mean, issues that yeah, I please. have with the Revs was in this article. I'm talking about the stadium. I'm talking about you know the fact that that they really haven't spent you know they really have not brought in a real designated player. I, I, again, they brought in Jerry Benson. But I'm talking about a really big name. They, they, they still have not. And uh, it really showed the difference between, I guess you could say, how the Crafts run the Patriots compared to the Revolution. And uh, a oh, yeah. big part of it starts with the stadium because, again, you know, I understand why the Crafts keep it at Gillette, but if they want to build the Revs, you know, again, Everyone else is, is moving upwards, but the Revs, the DC United, were kind of kind of staying backwards, partially because of, of the stadium. And, and the and the story did talk about the fact that that again the Revs are looking for a new home. But here's the thing, guys, they've been talking about this for a good five to six years now, and wow. nothing's been done. So it's one of these things that they could talk about it till they're blue in the face. But until we actually see see something done no one's going to believe it it needs to right. go it needs to go closer to boston if they if the revs had a soccer specific stadium things would be very different for mm-hmm. the revolution and and that's the bottom line that's and and the story does talk a little bit about that as them being oh, yeah. the owners in general again i love them as the patriots owners i don't love them as the owners of the revolution I just don't, yeah, cause what because I don't what think the... that they cater to the fans enough. I don't think they no, care know. enough, and I'm being mm-hmm. honest mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And partially the it's because there's no media backlash to what they don't do. There's no, there's, no, there's no media basically putting pressure on them to get things done so they can pretty much do whatever they want to do. You're one of the things, you're reading the article, uh, it, it talked about one of the things it pointed out was how they, you know, the crafts got in at the beginning of this, and right. really uh, they were, you know, uh, without them this might not have happened. And, and now this is just me talking off the top of my head based on what I'm seeing, and I'm not, I don't have any inside information. Russ, you can agree or disagree with me on this, but I, I my thinking is with this is what you, know, Jonathan Kraft, Robert's son. Has a, is pretty much the one who runs things, and Mr. Bobcraft doesn't really get a whole lot involved at all. Correct. I think, I think from Bobcraft's point of view, 
I'm not sure he got into this thinking that this league was really going to succeed the way it has. I mean, if I'm wrong, correctly, but I just had to see, and he did, I get the impression that he didn't expect all this to happen. He didn't expect teams to start building their own stadiums. He didn't expect the interest to grow, the fan interest to grow as fast as it is. He did not expect all this. I mean, he figured, get in this for a few years, it'll hold up for five to seven years, and I can go on my merry way. I don't think he expected MLS to do what it has done, and, he, and that's been, I think, the biggest obstacle to them really trying to get this going in the right direction. Well, well, Keith, what's funny about Robert Kraft, I don't know if you're aware of this, but back when Chelsea were for sale, Robert Kraft lost out to Roman Abramovich to get Chelsea. He was trying to buy Chelsea. Wow, that, I didn't know that. Oh, he was totally trying to buy either. Chelsea. He, he really tried hard to buy Chelsea, but Abramovich won, won the bid. Abramovich won it. Yeah. You know, go back and you check your history, because Robert Kraft wow. has wanted to has been involved. At one point, there, there was some talk that he might try to, you know, try to purchase Liverpool. This is again going back before John Henry, way before that. He's had interest in in trying to get a Barclays Premier League team. So that's what that's what makes the situation with the Revolution kind of kind of interesting, because again, he has his own team. But he's always had interest to get a Barclays Premier League team. Yeah, I found it here. Was on, this is from back in uh, February of 2012 uh, on the uh, NESN website. And the thing that turned him off to it, and this is something else that kind of makes me think that you know, my, my success theory might have something to do with it, the fact that it's, you don't have a salary cap structure like you have an MLS and the NFL is speculated to be the big reason why he didn't want to get in on this. Correct. He says here that yeah. uh, you don't have, quote, I'm quoting from this, this is Mr. Kraft, you don't have salary caps, you have certain team owners that can spend year in and year out. I'd rather give the money to charity, to be honest. Now, this is something <laughs> I, that I've brought up a few times, and this it, it was... The change is coming in Europe. You know, we've seen it with financial fair play and stuff like that. Obviously, it's got, it's the salary caps in one form or another here in, in the United States and our sports leagues as well. And I don't really fault Mr. Kraft for his thinking that way because as I, I've said this before on the show, and you, I know you, Russ in particular, I know this is redundant. You're going you to chew me out if you wish for the next couple of minutes. But sports are not a bit – sports are a business – but they're not a business that can run in your traditional capitalistic structure. And, because, and the simple fact is the reason number one you can't do it is you need the competition. You right. need those other teams. You are dependent on those other teams to have a league. You can't play a game by yourself. If Seattle Sounders, if, you, if those people in Seattle, 40,000 people, would not be marching through the streets and going to that stadium if they knew there wasn't another team waiting to play against Seattle Sounders. It's that right. simple. That competition has to be there, and that competition has to have at least somewhat equal financial footing. Good book to read on that is Fair Ball by Bob Costas. We wrote a lot in consultation with Andrew Zimbalist, who is probably the leading sports economic expert in, in North America. 
and he talk, they talk extensively about that because, you know, obviously there's a lot of it's about baseball because that's what Bob Costas loves, and baseball structure is so screwed up even to this day. But it, people like Bill Vex, Branch, Ricky, Lamar Hunt, and Pete Rizzo figured this stuff out a long time ago that these teams, this whole league, a whole league cannot succeed if, the, if there's such a wild disparity in terms of financial structure between the, the poor teams and the richer teams. We've seen this happen in baseball. Football, NFL obviously has the best model going because they're the ones leading the way in terms of revenue and interest. The NBA's model is relatively good. There's some flaws, especially regarding superstar players, but we've seen a San Antonio can compete with a team like Miami or Los Angeles. And baseball. So would you suggest that Bayern Munich's only saving grace is that they play Champions League? And that's the only way that they can possibly caught. I mean, here it is. They they have clinched. They're the first, they have no team to clinch the division, does a title faster than this team. And the game that they won three one, they had eighty two percent possession. They are buying players, the best players from the team, all the other teams already. They've already got them pre signed for next year. Uh, what yeah. what would you say to about uh, Bayern Munich? <laughs> well, first of all, well, first of all, Bayern Munich are debt free. This is not like Manchester United or other clubs where they're so yep. heavily in debt and borrowing money. This is a, you know, Bayern Munich are very, very well run, and this is and this is an important thing to remember. If you, if you run your club well, if you don't get into these ridiculous spending habits, the problem is something. And we see it's more prevalent here in American sports. We'll see other places too. You're dealing with businessmen who have succeeded in traditional business, and they've made their money, but they've, they've still got the egos, and they still want to win. And if you don't, if, and sometimes, unfortunately, these owners need to be protected from their own selves. And uh, you know, a smart business, look, look at the Dodgers. Look at what happened with the Dodgers under Frank McCourt. And, and I know the divorce with his wife was part, was part of that deal. But this, this guy had all the money. No, they were talking before that, though. Well, yeah, true. But the, the money the Dodgers have at their disposal should really ensure success because of, of course, ridiculous spending and the way he used the club. So, and kind of like what the Glazers do with Manchester United, using it as a personal ATM, it, it really screwed that team up. I, you know, to, to me, Bayern Munich are the model of what you know what a sport, any sports franchise ought to be. Uh, but again, so. There, sometimes owners just they need to be put in their place and told this is how you're going to do it because if you you're, 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 you've got to be protected from yourself. Others are smart enough to understand that to understand that the people who run Bayern Munich certainly are, and I think and, and this is what your know, financial fair play what, what FIFA and UEFA are trying to achieve here is get these people who run these clubs to do things in the proper way, not go use the team as a personal ATM, not drive the club so far down debt that you end up seeing, uh, seeing a situation like we saw at Leeds United and Portsmouth and, and, and other places such as that where the club has fallen so far so fast and it's such a financial hole. To get back to those levels is, is going to be very, very difficult. So you know, Bayern Munich are 
are not to be criticized for what they've done. Yeah, yeah, they're able to buy players, but they've got the money to do it. They're not they're not $8 billion in debt like the Glazers are at Manchester United. These Keith, people have the money to spend. Keith, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to butt in, but, but no, on Bayern it. Munich, I agree with you that they do things the right way. I have an issue with all the teams selling their players to them. <laughs> That's yeah. my issue. Well, that, that I can I under I understand that uh, the, the simple thing is buy, uh, said Bayern Munich have the money they have it right, in they hand do. they don't have to borrow any of this the, the, you because this, this is the danger that you run into when when, when you have an economic imbalance uh, you certainly you don't want to have a team be able to buy buy up all the best players because this was uh, uh, you know, this is other sports here in America, we've seen that same argument before. It hasn't always panned out the way people thought it would, necessarily. But the, the key to it all is to, is to have a, a structure in terms of spending that, that doesn't create too big a disparity that gives teams a chance where maybe, okay, they might be a little bit low. Because you, you have to have a floor as well as a ceiling. Yeah, that's, that's one of the keys. Even if you're close to the floor that you are the ceiling, you should, if you've got the if you've got the business acumen and the smart people running the thing, you should be able, there shouldn't be too much of a gap that you know, smart business people can't overcome that. You know, we're not we're not seeing right now. That's not the case with Bayern Munich because you know, they've done things so well and they've got the money in hand. And you've got other clubs that don't have the money and need it. They have they they they, they don't have any choice. That's where the problem. The problem isn't Bayern Munich. It, 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 the problem is these other clubs who have mismanaged themselves, and they have no choice but to sell them. Who are they going to sell to? The team that has the money. No, I hear you. I, I hear yeah. you, uh, yeah. Keith. And, and listen, just to follow up on the revolution, and, you know, again, I'm sorry if I – I don't want to dominate your conversation. I just want to say this one no, thing because, for, again – No, go for it. Jump in. No, no, I was just oh. going to say about the article, and, and listen, I give Mr. Moskowitz credit for writing it because – I've been dying for someone to say the things that have been on my mind because the mainstream media in Boston doesn't doesn't really do it. So I'm glad that he did. I do think that he went a little bit over the top. And okay. that's my, my only criticism on the title. I think the title's over the top. I think it was meant to make to make a statement. I get that. They're not the mm-hmm. worst worst owners in in MLS. I'm sorry, they're not because they've done no. some good things. They actually have an academy system that I'm telling you is, is already you're, they're already reaping the rewards from that. They should be applauded for the way that they've they've established that academy. But um, but but that's where they put some of their money. And again, I wish that they would actually take some of their other money and build a new stadium. Yeah, because well, one of the um, things that the article hey, Russ, pointed I'm, out. I'm concerned about the uh, lack of goals this year. Uh, what? Do you have any uh, any idea what's going on? It, it can't be just because Aguidel is gone. I mean, no, no, no. It's not. It's not because Aguidel is gone. It's funny because I actually really think that Teal Bunbury is, is going to be a good player for them. Yeah. But but part of it part of it has to do with Syersen coming back from injury. You know. Mm-hmm. I, you know. I think I think that's mm-hmm. a factor. I think you know. Again, they're you know. Um, just trying, just trying to integrate. Uh, you know, even someone new up top. I think, I think it's taken time. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. they they created a good amount of chances in their mm-hmm. last m- match against Vancouver. But, but again, it's it's the beginning of the season. I'm not panicking yet about about the lack okay. of goals because 
because they're you know the, the way that they played in the last match was good, but again the conditions were, were horrible. Mm-hmm. They have the talent. Again, I think the key to the Revolution scoring goals is going to be playing uh, Lee Win and Kellen Rowe together, being able to facilitate facilitate the ball to a player mm-hmm. like uh, Diego Fagundes, who hasn't scored yet. But yeah. but but until Teal Bunbury, until they get used to playing with Teal Bunbury, mm-hmm. I think you know I think that I just think Matt, I, I honestly think that there's just some growing pains going on there. Plus, mm-hmm. plus they had the issue with. Uh, with uh, Jose Gonzalez, that 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 I think has been a pretty big thing for them defensively. Sure. So so I think the combination of everything has really mm-hmm. thrown the team team. I guess you could say a little bit out of flux to start the season, but mm-hmm. um, but the talent is there. The talent's there. It's, they just have to put talent. it all together. I think I think as the season goes on, they obviously will score goals because because they have the players that can do it and. The biggest issue that they've had, you know, again, unfortunately for, for the Revolution, they they bought, you know, again, talking about designated players, they brought in Jerry Benson, who plays mm-hmm. fantastic for Honduras, but can't score goals for the Revolution. So mm-hmm. so, so that's uh, been an I issue. I hate to you guys. Yeah, I hate to interrupt you guys. We're down to the last minute or so of the show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Matt Hoffman. Hey, all that's okay. Matt, Matt, sorry Matt, about that. Pleasure to meet you, too. Glad to have you guys well though. Matt Hoffman and Russ Goldman have been on Ryan Seelock as well. Uh, unfortunately we ran some issues trying to get a hold of Carly. Well, Miller. Hopefully we'll be able to get her hopefully we'll be able to get her back on, uh, get her on next week. Uh Karte Krishnire is also tentatively scheduled uh to join us as well. Uh as and of course Stephen Brandt will be uh resuming his duties as the host after he takes his uh time off with his dad. Uh Again, this has been the Yellow Carter Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. I'm Keith Kokenda. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter, Yellow Carded Pod. Uh, you can find us there as we uh, go into week two of our new era here. Uh, so we'll be talking hopefully more about the uh, NWSL next week as well as the women's, U.S. Women's National Team with Carly Lloyd. And, of course, there will be more stuff regarding MLS and European soccer as well. So join you, join us again next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on the Yellow Card of Pulp podcast on Blog Talk Radio.